Uh, welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 47. The uh, Daytona 500 is almost here, edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, as we speak, uh, they're putting more garbage bags or tape or whatever on Matt Crafton's front nose, and he'll not win another race at Daytona. Uh, or he hasn't won at Daytona. He won't win this time either. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. Uh, it's been an interesting week of speed weeks, I guess, so far. I and mean, we got some good racing going on right now in the truck series and got a lot going on tomorrow and Sunday, too. And uh, glad to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a busy speed week. It used to be speed weeks, but in COVID time and with all kinds of changes that have gone on, it's been going on for the last few days. We had an episode a few days ago that we uploaded and uh, previewed some of the racing at Daytona and the qualifying. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about key stories going into the Sunday's Daytona 500, along with other uh, stuff in NASCAR world and in motorsports with our guest tonight, uh, the owner of the racing beat soon to be the racing beat.com. But right now it's the racing beat.substack.com uh, a journalist for so many years, somebody who I respect greatly and has been covering for where Yahoo, NBC sports, et cetera, et cetera, has been, a, been, around a long time. His name is Jerry Bonkowski uh, doing this um, in the Home Depot parking lot. So thank you, Jerry, for um, joining us on the GSP um, in, in the Home Depot parking lot, no less. Well, thanks for hitting me on, guys. I mean, you, Phil, you and I obviously have been communicating uh, you know, online for a number of years. So, you know, I, I feel like I, you, you and I are friends. And when you offered me the opportunity to speak today, you know, I felt it would be a good, uh, good thing to do because, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of envious of you guys because you're on your 47th podcast. I'm, I'm just going to have my second one this coming Tuesday. So, uh, but I mean, I'm looking forward to talking with you guys for a bit here, and uh, we, you know, we got a lot of ground to cover for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the the technology, and we'll probably have to do that. We'll have to discuss it in the chat how we're going to get around certain aspects of the technology. But I want to throw to you first, Jerry. I know that your experience, your you have connections to so many people within this um, garage area at Daytona. And then now that you have this project in, with all the changes, COVID time, not uh, and stuff, what, what uh, pushed you at this point in 2021 to kind of go and do your own thing here uh, with the racing beat and, and let us know where we can find you along with, um, where we can, what, who you've had for, uh, the first podcast and what you're going to be, or who you're going to be having on here in the next few weeks. Sure. Well, I'll answer the second part of that first. Um, I was reached or excuse me, I was approached by a company, uh, about two and a half years ago. And they asked if I could do a podcast and I was really, intrigued about doing that. I mean, you obviously know very well about uh, all the broadcasting experience I've done on Sirius XM NASCAR radio, and uh, I've done TV and that, and, you know, it's kind of like my, it's kind of like my alter ego, if you will, uh, compared to me being a writer. So, yeah. um, but NBC, you know, who I was working for at the time uh, said, no, we you know you're a full-time employee. We can't let you do it. I said, which I understood. So that was fine. And then um, 
I, uh, I had a major spinal surgery this past July and, um, I wound up uh, about two weeks later being told that I was being laid off and that really put a lot more pain in my back than if you know what I'm saying. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, um, I, you know, I, I kind of, I just didn't do much of anything because I was in such pain. And unfortunately the first surgery failed. So I wound up having to have a second surgery at the end of November. And right around that time, I reached out to this company. It's called believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. And uh, they have become, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're the largest uh, 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 provider of sports podcasts uh, in the country. So uh, I reached out to them and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm available now. I definitely would like to take you up on your offer. Is it still open? And they, they were just like excited you know, to have me available. So uh, we put a few things together and then, you know, I had to have the surgery, like I said, at the end of November. So I had to recuperate for a couple of months before I was actually ready to do this. And so, um, you know, with the combination of the two surgeries plus the, uh, you know, the layoff from NBC Universal. I mean, I was one of 4,000 employees that was laid off. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's sad because we really built up a lot of good stuff, you know, on both the NASCAR talk side as well as the motorsports talk side. But, um, you know, we were just you know, essentially, you know, like many, many hundreds, if not millions of or hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people uh, who've lost their jobs because of COVID, you know, for one reason or not related to COVID. So, um, you know, I, you know, I'm still recovering from the second surgery and I've probably got another two months before I'll be fully back to normal. But I figured, you know, I've, I've got to start doing something. I mean, it was just it was just such a long layoff. And I, you know, I decided what's going to be the easiest thing to do or not so much the easiest, but would be the most immediate thing I could do. And so I decided I was going to start my own podcast first, but I also wanted to make it a across the uh, across the board multimedia platform. So I started looking and actually I spent probably the better part of two weeks, almost every day, like eight hours a day looking for a name for the podcast, which I could also carry across the written uh, word, you know, the written version of things online. <clears throat> and um, I tried it must have been 300, if not more combinations. And I, you know, I solicited some of my friends to give me some ideas and suggestions. And then one day it just hit me. It said, you know, I mean, I'm a reporter, you know, what's, what's the thing I cover the racing beat. So I looked into Twitter. First of all, that was available. Went to Facebook. That was available. Went to Instagram. That was available. Went to YouTube. That was available. And uh, then also, as far as a domain name on, you know, on the web, uh, the URL, uh, you know, the racingbeat.com was available as well. So I've got pretty much all the major platforms covered. Now, the Substack uh, part of it is this, um, you know, for the last, probably the last, eh, say maybe the last five, six years, there's been a growing movement of uh, reporters who, you know, have either been laid off or lost their jobs or whatever to essentially going to into business for themselves, if you will. And uh -huh. um, so I decided uh, to you know examine that a little bit more and looked at some of the major platforms and Substack just seemed to have what I needed to to uh, to try to start this whole thing. So uh, ironically enough, as we're speaking here, I mean, literally just a few hours ago, I, I it was a very soft launch. I, I finally got the Substack up. It's it's um, it's um, uh, Substack. I'm sorry, uh, the racing beat dot substack.com and uh, you know i had my introductory column in there uh, i've got a lot of uh, things to come you know in the next few weeks we're really going to start building out it's just a very slow uh, process i'll probably hit the social uh, aspect of it probably uh, if not later tonight 
first thing Saturday and then, you know, really let people know what's going on out there. And so, you know, that's th that part, the written part, the, the Substack part is going to take a while to get really into the, uh, into the, uh, you know, swing of things. Fortunately, um, a good friend of mine, uh, you know, uh, who was at NBC and also was one of the members who was laid off. He actually started his own Substack like a week after uh, he was laid off and he has become one of the biggest, I think he's actually the largest uh, provider of sports content, you know, baseball in his instance, uh, of anybody on the Substack platform. And he's been giving me a lot of thoughts and ideas and suggestions. He's been very uh, open and very transparent, which I really, really, really appreciate it. And so, you know, I've, I'm going in that direction. And, uh, you know, right now I'm doing this essentially for free, but, you know, I'm hoping to turn the Substack into a, a pay newsletter. I've kind of got a couple of, you know, uh, dates in mind of when I would, you know, switch it from a free site to a, a paid site, but I'm still going to, you know, have occasional free pieces out there. Uh, and so I'm going to do that. Uh, probably maybe early March is kind of where I'm shooting for. So, I mean, I want to give at least a couple of weeks, you know, especially around the Daytona 500 and afterwards that fans, you know, and readers can really get a, an idea of what's to come and what we're going to do. And in addition to that, I also have a, a young man um, by the name of Michael Eubanks, who I actually discovered him of all places uh, on his own blog. He had never, you know, written professionally, but uh, I was actually out in um, in Sonoma, California, in 2018, and uh, we were having. I was in, I was running NBCSports.com's Motorsports Talk uh, site at that time, and um, we were going to have a change in the uh in writers and i he followed me on twitter and i so i you know i always like to look at people's profiles and it said he had his own blog so i figured okay i'll, I'll take a look at it and the guy blew me away i mean he just absolutely blew me away young kid he was what 23 i think at the time um had never really had any professional experience but i mean he wrote like a pro so um when we had the changeover um you know from the the secondary writer departed uh you know we had an opening and I, it was a hard sell to my boss because he said, well, the guy doesn't have any experience. I said, well, believe me, when you see his talent, you'll understand why I'm so, so eager to get him on board. And, you know, my, uh, my belief, you know, he, uh, Michael has definitely uh, proven my belief, you know, beyond, uh, you know, beyond greatness. I mean, he's really been a, an excellent writer and, uh, you know, unfortunately he got laid off from NBC a little bit earlier than I did. He got laid off last April because of the COVID thing. And so, you know, he and I have become pretty good friends and I told him about what I was going to do. And he said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And I said, well, you know, look, I can't pay you. And I actually, I've got another young man who wants to do graphics for us. And I said to him, you know, the other day I said, I can't pay you, but you know, I can't pay myself either, you know? So until I can get the subscription part of it going and, you know, get people to pay, um, you know, this is gonna be basically a free thing, but you know, these guys both, they, they said, yeah, we definitely want to be part of this. So, um, you know, I've got a lot of plans in mind, particularly for the Substack, but the main thing right now, at least at the outset is going to be the podcast. And so the first podcast, uh, we released this past Monday, it was actually supposed to be released Tuesday, but we decided to put it out a day early. Uh, I had Ray Everham on there. Ray's a good friend. I've known him for a long time, and uh, I think the world of him. And he, he, it was very humbling that he said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do it." I mean, I, you know, he knew, you know, this is a brand new thing, and uh, but he said, "You know, you've always been fair to me, Jerry. You know, let's let's do this." So I had him on for about uh, about thirty minutes, I guess it was, 
And we talked a lot, particularly about this new uh, venture that he's involved in called the um, Superstar Racing Experience, which is essentially for people who you know, have been around uh, or have been fans of racing for a long time. It's very similar to the old IROC series, the International Race of Champions series. Uh, these are not going to be stock cars per se. They're going to be, I, I, you know, I have not seen the car yet, but I'm, you know, my guess it's kind of like a hybrid between a, a stock car and maybe like a Trans Am car. That's that's the uh, perception I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ray talked a lot about that, but he also talked about, you know, NASCAR today, um, you know, the, um, you know, where NASCAR is going, um, you know, all kinds of things. So really enjoy that first uh, podcast. And then um, tomorrow I'm going to actually start editing my second podcast, which is going to be uh, debuting this coming Tuesday. And that's going to be Don the Snake Perdome, legendary NHRA oh, drag wow. racer. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to, but. Uh, you know, to what, uh, you know, where we go with this. And then also, um, I'm going to have, now they're not, how do I say this? They're not part of the Racing Beat podcast per se, but I have uh, a couple of interviews that I've already done with both Mark Martin and Marcus Ambrose, which will be coming up um, on a platform that I'm not going to say anything right now, but it mm-hmm. will be coming up very soon. Uh, you know, be a freelance thing that I've, I've agreed to do a regular freelance piece for for uh, a major major site. And uh, you know, when I when that that story, the first story on Mark Martin uh, runs, which I think it's going to be this coming week uh, after the Daytona 500. Um, you know, then I'll be able to you know use that interview as essentially a de facto podcast with Mark Martin too. So got a lot of people you know that are really interested in talking to me. I mean, I've got a I mean, the NHRA world, I mean, I've got probably 20 people, drivers or, or team owners that want to, you know, be on. Um, I've got a number of people in the NASCAR community, which we're just getting started and talking to some people there. But I'm, you know, I've already been assured that I'll have uh, some very significant big names coming up as well, in addition to what we had with Ray Evernham. And then, of course, we got IndyCar, too, which, you know, they don't start now until April. But, um, you know, I've got a, obviously my history includes a long stretch uh, of, of coverage of the IndyCar series as well. So, Basically, in the last five minutes, you've gotten this, the whole wrap of everything I'm doing right now. So uh, yeah. I hope I, I hope I didn't answer uh, you know answer all the questions you had for me. But uh, you know I believe in giving more than less usually. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack over there, uh, to <laughs> say the least. Uh, I mean, when you're you have old Raymond on there and Jersey guy uh, worked yep. for Jay Signori and Iraq before he went over to. Uh, eventually to his his greatness with Jeff Gordon mm-hmm. first in the Bush series and then with uh, the Rainbow Warriors and the, which set the tone for whatever however many other championships because of Chad Canals and et cetera mm-hmm. et cetera to now working with uh, Smoke on the SRX deal and I'm curious to see what kind of car it's going to really look like I mean it's a Fury chassis they got an Ilmore uh, engine in there mm-hmm. so it's similar I think to what they're running in Arca and trucks and whatever um, it looks um, at least the roller kind of has a stock car look to it but I think mm-hmm. the actual when it comes out it might look more like a TA1 which would be cool and it would kind of work in terms of the kind of racetracks knowing they're going to be going both dirt and on pavement right? so that will be something to see and of course Ray Evernham is one of the great I'm doing air quotes here innovators in um, NASCAR history Mm -hmm. just like the you know Gary Nelson, Smokey Eunuch, 
mm-hmm. uh, the woods, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, like Harry Hyde and all, all these great people. Uh, and of course, Chad Canals, uh, too, who were innovators. Uh, they were the ones that were the best, but also were willing to push that rule book, uh, very, very go and find every gray area. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and to have the snake also, I mean, it's that's just awesome. And I know the NHRA is is a place where I think they're under undersold in terms of media and in terms of getting the coverage they deserve. Uh, right. Probably, I mean, could get into semantics and some of the reasons why uh, TV hasn't ever really helped. It hasn't. I mean, the days of having Steve Evans, Dave McClelland, and and company uh, are gone and diamond P sports. And Mm -hmm. that's part of it. I think even though Brian loans, I'll say this, Brian loans is one of the best uh, announcers in motorsports right now. He might be the most passionate guy outside of like Lee Diffie because dude is a, and is a drag racing, like a Mark. He knows the history. He has a passion for it he has brought a breath of fresh air to the NHRA broadcast that they've needed um, desperately since I think basically since Paul page uh, Mm -hmm. left ESPN. So I think that they have going. And then in terms of the pit reporters, they have good pit reporters, of course, John Kernan, somebody I'm sure you've been worked together with for many Mm -hmm. years, going back to the ESPN days. Right. You know, and then they got other guys like Bruno Massel, who's a freaking multi-time champion, and mm-hmm. Jamie Howe, and uh, I'm forgetting uh, Buse, Amanda Busick and stuff like that. I mean, I think they could upgrade uh, uh, in the lead analyst role, but, you know, Mike Dunn, that's the thing. When you had Mike Dunn, who had no filter and didn't really care what he said, he didn't have any fear like that, kind of like his dad it kind of is different than having Tony Pentragon, who's kind of more muted, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a lot to go into and we're looking forward to seeing all that uh, in the racing beat and glad to know that uh, you're, you care. And it's something I can, I can vouch for that and that I've asked for your advice and uh, you gave me direction to, and it's it's something that unfortunately timing wise and age wise for me along with you know just you know having to be able to afford to live to live uh, unfortunately some things weren't put in place but that's why i have this podcast now and having josh as my uh my uh co-host and sidekick has has definitely become something where we can build upon and hopefully who knows where it'll go maybe exactly. uh, can make connections with that um you're never too old phil you're never too old Trust it's me. true it's true i mean that's mm-hmm. why that's why i love this i i've loved this sport for for more most of my life and that's why i want to talk about it and that's why i want to make connections with people like you jerry and with josh and because that's why this thing exists because fundamentally for all the bad that's happening in the world racing is a is a uh, is a, a freaking passion and it's hunger and absolute and it's a uniting force in regards to how much people just love speed and love the the just the the sights and sounds and the 
the smells of mm-hmm. you know racing the and that's really why i i enjoy this uh so much and so i guess we'll transfer over to actually uh date i mean there was a whole lot of stuff you went over there jerry i i, I want to go and talk about and since you talked about what you're with ray in regards to the current day uh with nascar 2021 is definitely a transitional year in the uh, cup series uh, with the notion of a new a common basically a common car uh you know for all intents and purposes i mean we kind of have been there in uh the gen six and even sort of in the gen five era too Mm -hmm. but the gen seven car is a whole new level and um i'm gonna throw to you josh i know you haven't uh been able to chime in but i in terms of the gen seven car and thinking about what's gone on, just kind of connecting it to what's gone on so far this week, some of these new teams that are out there, um, how much of a difference you think this, at least on the outside right now, we don't know all the details yet about this um, or what we're going to have with the Gen 7 in full yet, but what do you see, uh, how do you see the Gen 7 kind of changing the game a little bit or is it going to open up more opportunities for the likes of you know other owners like uh justin marks michael jordan etc etc i mean i should have said michael jordan first but you know michael jordan's greatest it's fine he doesn't have to be mentioned first all the time uh but people like that in in this sport to try to get more people younger owners in because there aren't that many young owners right now yeah, I mean, it's an interesting uh, topic with uh, the new car. You know, I think the thing we're all wondering is, like, what the and the bottom line, I guess, is going to end up being with this car. And, you know, they're obviously developing the car right now, and they haven't come up, you know, fully with the the final rules package and all that stuff, which, you know, will come later on in the season as uh, we get there. And, um, you know, they're still somewhat prototyping. But, I mean, I think, you know, if the – the cost of, I guess, you know, to build a, a Gen 7 car and to maintain it, you know, throughout a season and, you know, your ability to build a fleet of cars, um, you know, I think, you know, especially like with economies of scale, like I I think it's going to be possible for maybe new teams to come into the sport. You know, I mean, we already have seen it with, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously, you know, with help from Joe Gibbs and Denny Hamlin, of course, and Toyota, um, you know, Team Trackhouse and all that. Um, so I, I mean, like, it, I think it will be possible not only for new teams, but also for those teams to expand, you know, um, I, I think it's pretty clear that we'll see, uh, 2311 expand to potentially four cars in the future. Um, you know, and then potentially maybe even track house, maybe they'll decide to expand to another car or, um, a third car or fourth in the future. Um, who knows, but, um, I, I think, you know, if they, if they can do it right and, um, they don't go through as many rules changes as uh, what they have gone through with the Gen 6. I think the opportunity is there to uh, grow the sport uh, beyond, you know, the current uh, ownership group that it has and eventually bring in new blood because some of these owners are, you know, um, they're either going to you know die off or they're going to uh, sell their teams or lose interest in the sport. And, you know, if they don't have anything to pass that on to or, um, you know, sell it to, then it's going to be become a problem. And, um, you know, if they can 
you know, get more investors in the sport, uh, and, you know, at a reasonable level, then I, I think that'll be a good thing. But I think if, you know, this card, you know, doesn't turn out that way and it, you know, becomes more expensive, then I think, you know, the ownership group is going to shrink and it's just going to, you know, continue to be a, a, the power, I guess, the balance of power in the sport is going to just continue to be contained within that, you know, four or five team group with like Hendrick and uh, Joe Gibbs, uh, Penske and Stuart Haas, and, you know, maybe Ganassi or, um, you know, another car, like maybe Roush or something like that. So, you know, if they can grow the sport uh, and, you know, attract new ownership group and, and uh, make it appealing to, you know, the fan base in general, then, you know, I think it'll be a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, we're at a time now where ownership outside of Tony Stewart. And I guess now with Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan and Justin Marks uh, with the track house deal, Outside of them, there really isn't. Most of the owners, as you mentioned, are 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 much older, and there are succession plans, I'm sure, for all of them. But you know, Rick Hendrick, he's had health issues. You have Roger Penske, who's going and doing everything Roger Penske does, running Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar Series, along with the NASCAR uh, program and all the other programs he's got. Roush, you know, they've, they've kind of taken, they've fallen off in recent years, of course, in performance. You're looking at Ganassi is relative and relative to everybody else. He's younger, but uh, think about other one. Of course, Joe Gibbs, he's an older, he's older. And so it, you have to wonder what is the direction or what's the game plan for some of these teams. And, how the cost effectiveness will will make a difference in regards to them or compared to other groups. And I think uh, Matt Colleague is somebody who could come into the cup series now, and it might be even more viable for him as somebody who has built a, a Xfinity program from scratch and with help, of course, from RCR, but to go and come into the, uh, po- probably come into the cup series here in 2022 with the new car and everything. Uh, Jerry, I'll throw to you. I know that Daytona, we think about all these years of you, the, for many years, it used to be uh, really the duels used to be even more dramatic in a sense because there was way more cars, but you knew there were certain people, the likes of, the likes of Delma Coward who were there who said he'd never lose a party, but he didn't have the most fastest car. Um, but you'd have deeper fields. You'd have a lot more competition showing up. And do you think that having this new car will bring it back to something that would mean that there would be a lot more people that can show up that would be, uh, and, and in a sim in a, in a way, also have more competitive cars or are we going sort of where we are right now where we had basically a portion of the field that was locked in um a portion of the field that was locked in that really was not all that competitive and in some ways were in the way uh with this uh, new car 
which is which Josh has mentioned on the socials as well, you know, and I've mentioned too. It's a lot like the V8 supercar in Australia with a lot of the right. the, the underpinnings of it. No, I agree with you, and you know, I've been in this sport for a long time, over twenty five years, and um, you know, in motorsports, almost. 40 years, but, um, which makes me an old guy to be simply put it that way. But, um, the one thing I'm, I'm very optimistic about this new car that's a NASCAR is developing because remember they were originally going to try to, you know, uh, debut it this year and uh, a combination of things between COVID. It was one thing. Um, their testing program was another thing. They didn't, they, they did the right thing by not rushing it. You know, they wanted to get it right. And I think that, you know, we've been down this road a few times, over the last 15 years where, you know, we had the car tomorrow, we had the gen six, you know, uh, it was just, there were so many, um, or not variations, I guess is probably a better way of saying it of, uh, you know, they wanted to, you know, NASCAR as a whole wanted to make cars and producing cars, developing cars, much more cost effective to the teams, because let's face it, the bigger teams have the bigger budgets. And unfortunately, we did see a, a lot of the smaller teams either, uh, you know, fold up shop or just couldn't continue or became part time or whatever. But over the last two, three years, you mentioned Kyleg, you, you know, there's a, a number of other teams that have started to, uh, you know, re uh, reinvigorate the sport, both you know, on the Xfinity level as well as the cup level. I think that you know, going forward, you know, especially with the you know, infusion of a guy like Michael Jordan and Pitbull and, you know, the uh you know the the diversity uh efforts that nascar is uh you know uh ramping up even more than they've already done in the, over the years i really am very optimistic that this sport is going to really hit, see a real big comeback i mean you know we've talked about comebacks since about 2007 2007 2008 that's kind of when things started going downhill for nascar in terms of popularity we've you know, we talked about comebacks a number of times but i'm very positively convinced that this is going to be the big comeback i really think that because you know, just the, you connect the dots and you can see that there are a number of people who are interested in the sport who may not have you know been interested in the past. There are a number of people that are definitely willing to give the sport a try. And then of course, there's also a lot of uh, fans and uh, you know, people that may have participated in NASCAR in the past that may have gotten away from the sport that they want to get back into it too. So, you know, you've got a good cross section of people that uh, are going to be the 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 base if you will or the backbone of nascar if you will uh going forward not just the big teams that you know we've known for all these years but it this is about time where we're going to see a lot more smaller teams develop and i think that looking forward to you know 2022 2023 2024 those are going to be very pivotal years for the sport as well too because there's so much riding on on this uh, new car but also remember this too you know we've got the uh the conclusion, if you will, of the 10-year contracts between Fox and NBC that are going to be up after the 2024 season. So, you know, this car, uh, the new car that's going to be debuting next year is going to be uh, one of the biggest elements of not only continuing the TV coverage, but also I'm not going to be surprised to see if we have more players wanting to get into the game on a TV side of things, too. I've, I've heard a few rumblings that ESPN may be looking to get back into the game. Um, you know, and again, this, it all comes down to dollars and cents. You've got to have a very economical, a strong economic base for the, the sport, but you also want to have a, a good base 
for uh, sponsors, advertisers, suppliers, manufacturers. You know, we, we can't just keep on spending and spending and spending and think that, you know, there's no limit. I mean, there is a limit, you know, so that's, I, I commend NASCAR for what they're doing. And I think that going forward, we're going to see a lot of good things uh, coming out of the sport. It starts with this year. And I think that, you know, going forward from there, uh, we're going to see a lot more fans coming to the, to the tracks, obviously once COVID, it, you know, allows that, but, you know, uh, I think that, you know, the, to me, the glory days of NASCAR were probably from about the mid nineties to about 2005. I think we're going to see another de- decade or more of glory days coming up for, uh, very soon here. That'd be, that'd be cool to see uh, being a fan and in my early years of my life and being able to come into the sport while it was growing and having that uh, period of, of just like economical and all the sponsors and fortune 500 companies coming into the sport and the popularity, the growth and becoming not just a regional sport but a national sport uh and also international too in that sense during that Mm -hmm. time period uh it's uh it'll be nice to see if that'll wow the todd gillen's trying to go and wreck his dad on the start that's cool (laughs) um that's something but uh so there's there you go grant infinger doesn't have a full-time job has now taken the lead um, that'll tell you well, for the moment and the Gillens are, are tandeming. Um, yeah, it's, it, you would want to see, I would, it would be nice to see the growth and I hope that there's, there's certain aspects or things you brought up there with the diversity and the progression of, of this sport. Cause I know that it's definitely a, a lightning rod, uh, point within this sport and i think it's kind of ironic how the one the second duel ended um the way you think about the the lightning rods in this sport and or in terms of characters and kind of how they go about business and we brought up michael jordan of course one of the greatest athletes ever lived Uh, i'm going to start with you jerry in regards to this You know, Michael, for me, and when this happened, when MJ decided with, of course, Denny Hamlin, with Gibbs to go and invest, because he, of course, invested in motorsports before. He ran an AMA motorcycle team for years with Mm -hmm. support from Yoshimura Suzuki, which was the best team in the AMA Superbike class for years upon years, Matt Maladden, Ben Spees, et cetera, et cetera. But he couldn't, they won some races, but they weren't championship uh, competitors every single year. But now he's not only investing in NASCAR, but he's investing in a way with a manufacturer that over time with their history with smaller organizations has kind of run teams out the door. And it's kind of a Toyota thing. If you connect it back going many, many years where cost has run teams out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael, this Michael Jordan move is different in regards to him coming into the cup series now and he has said that because of some of the changes NASCAR has done in regards to diversity, it's why he decided he wanted to come in. 
and also to a, to a lesser extent, but also because he's a driver, giving Bubba Wallace, Darrell Wallace Jr., a shot to be in a big-time ride, essentially the fifth Gibbs car, is, I mean, while, it's, while certain segments of the, quote, base uh, don't like it, it's a well-deserved opportunity after, you know, learning with Richard Petty Motorsports after being at Roush and basically losing his job from not out of his own doing, you know, it's, it's a progressive move and it's a, and, and it, I guess you can connect it also to the track house of Daniel Suarez, who's also mm-hmm. a diversity guy. So um, where are your thoughts on having uh, Michael Jordan and what is it? And also the bubble walls deal and Daniel Suarez. And where do you see, because it is definitely a hot button issue right now in NASCAR and in with the fan base, but in general, the way society is in regards to diversity and trying to grow this sport uh, outside of their quote base. Well, I think in the biggest thing, uh, Phil, is that, um, we saw a lot of things last year we didn't see in the past. And what I mean by that is there were a lot of people that wanted to, or, you know, who probably have wanted to jump on the NASCAR bandwagon for years and, you know, primarily the minority, uh, community. I mean, the, uh, the black and the Brown community, they, there were, there were a lot of, I thought to me, there were a lot of closet NASCAR fans in those, those communities, and when you get a guy like a Michael Jordan to step forward, you get a guy like Pitbull to step forward, that says a tremendous amount about the future of this sport. They're not, they're not spending millions of dollars out of their own pocket just to get name recognition. No, they, they believe in what they, they think they can build for their teams, but also to be part of building the sport as a whole, you know, even greater. And I think that, you know, you mentioned about Bubba Wallace, this is a great opportunity for him. It definitely is, but it also is a, uh, he's going to have to show that he has the metal to, you know, really be a competitive driver. Uh, he didn't always have that, uh, you know, in some of the other rides that he had, even with Petty. I mean, uh, you know, he, he had some signs of brilliance, but there were also a lot of disappointments too, as well. So I think that, you know, he's going to get all the tools he needs from the, uh, you know, the Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin partnership. And by the way, Speaking of Denny, yeah, he kind of has gotten lost in the shuffle here. Everybody's been talking about Michael Jordan so much, but you know, Denny, who just signed a new contract extension with JGR, um, you know, he is very, very, very smart in aligning with Michael Jordan because you know Jordan's been a friend of his for such a long time. They're golfing buddies, you know, that kind of thing. But Denny was very smart because he is essentially positioning himself for his next phase of his career. I mean, you know, this new contract that he just signed with the contract extension he just signed with with Gibbs. I think that this could be his last contract. I mean, I think it's a, I believe it was a three year deal, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, by forming a team with Michael Jordan, and a few other investors, he really is positioning himself for the future as well. He may run a run, you know, run his own team, or he'll you know maybe he'll run the operation for Michael because Michael obviously is not going to be there every day. But I just think that you know, there's so many elements of opportunity for everybody in this sport you know we, we I, you know not only michael jordan not only pitbull not only denny hamlin not only bubba wallace not only the you know the uh, you know increasing the diversity of the fan base of the you know the working base you know i mean nascar's had a, a strong drive for diversity program since i think it was 2004 i believe it was uh so they have really you know this is just a 
another step in that uh, that growth pattern. And I think that you know we're going to see a lot of things. Or, or I sh- uh, let me let me say it this way: we saw a lot of things last year that we haven't seen. I think we're going to see even more things this year that are going to be a plus and a positive to not only the sport but to the teams, the manufacturers, the sponsors. I mean, everybody. I think is going to benefit from this. And I'm not just talking economically. I'm just talking about, you know, in general, in terms of, you know, the, um, the, uh, uh, the recognition of the sport, you know, we, we, we used to hear the, you know, back in the uh, early to mid 200s or 2000s rather, uh, where NASCAR was considered the number two most popular sport behind the NFL. Well, they're not anymore. I mean, I think most people would understand that, but that doesn't mean they can't become the number two most popular sport again. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think that, you know, with all the things we've already talked about, you know, in terms of the, you know, the TV deals coming up in a few years here, there's just so much on the line that, you know, between the, the leadership of Jim, um, Jim France, as well as Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell, I mean, those guys know what they're doing. They really are doing this to, for the betterment of the sport. They're doing this for the betterment of the fans to really increase fans. And, you know, and I'm going to say this in a way that I don't mean this in a derogatory fashion, but it's, it's reality. You know, you go back into the 90s and into the 2000s, the num- one of the n- biggest words that everybody talked about was money. And to me, a lot of times money became over um, overdone and, you know, people didn't talk as much about performance or about racing or about parity. And that was, I think, you know, uh, it, it took a while before the folks in NASCAR really realized Hey, are we in this for money or are we in this to really put on a good show, to really bring in fans, to give them entertainment, to give them excitement? And I think that, you know, especially with Jim France uh, taking over the last couple of years um, and then with Steve Phelps and Steve O'Donnell, they have really, uh, you know, really built uh, and continue to build a a further base that's only going to increase the the popularity and the attention. And sure, there'll be money eventually, but that's not the thing that's driving everybody. I mean, the thing that they want to do is they want to grow the sport. They want to grow the fan base. They want to grow the number of manufacturers. I think you're going to see a new manufacturer here. I'm betting by 2023 or 2024, we're going to see a new manufacturer. I think because, you know, the new car that's coming out, I think it lends itself uh, to, to that. Ray Everham, when I, we had him on the podcast, he alluded to that a little bit. So I think that, you know, all in all, we're look at a point in this in the the history of the sport that, this is going to be a kind of a, a renaissance next few years. It's going to be the rebirth of what I think could be a very, very popular uh, t- uh, you know, period of time in the NASCAR community. And, oh, man, that's a – I feel bad for Tyler Ankrum there. He got locked behind Brian Doza for whatever reason. They decided to keep that load out there, and, and it's the same thing as the freaking Harmon cars during their Daytona road course in July. In, in, july or whatever that's uh yeah you just wrecked sheldon creed and <laughs> and uh stew ball and a bunch of other people there yeah can that's awesome that's i i love i love these teams that have no speed and it's like a rick Ware racing special that's what that whole thing is but um Hey, in regards, Rick Ware. Don't, let's not put down Rick Ware. I think Rick Ware is going to be a big surprise this year. I, I've heard a lot of good things about that program, so I think you, you'll be kind of surprised and pleasantly surprised about what where Rick Ware Racing is going this year. Let's hope so, because they're involved in they're involved in IndyCar now with uh, Dale Coyne, mm-hmm. with uh, right. Roman Grosjean for the majority of the season, 
They'll also be running, I don't know if they're going to be running a full IMSA schedule, but they ran the Rolex. Um, Austin Dillon did something that probably wasn't great, but uh, of course, Austin Dillon won yesterday, so hey, who knows? Uh, and Cody Ware is trying to run the double, mm-hmm. or he's trying to angle to run the double. So, yeah, we'll see with uh, Rick Ware this year, and you brought up in regards to some of the stuff with like a new manufacturer. And I think of Tony Stewart, of course, who is uh, Ray Evernam and him are partners in that deal. And uh, Tony Stewart, significant other uh, drives for manufacturer. It used to be in NASCAR and uh, left a, a few years ago. And that'd be cool to see them come back. Uh, if they were to come back in a NASCAR, it'd be great, but I don't know if the funding and everything because they're connected to Ferrari and, uh, fiat and all that if that'll be the case but uh josh i'll i'll throw to you in regards to this new ownership and new blood and i think for you i i know we've talked about it here on the on the show about matt colleague i think it's i mean it's not it's not just the diversity of having mj and pitbull and and you know and and the likes of and their their other partners and Hamlin and of course Justin Marks, but I think Matt Colleg is is the guy where he has built this juggernaut in the Xfinity series, and he's basically that he is somebody that has bootstrapped it and he's done it old school, and now he's angling to go and have his own. Basically, he's trying to be a mogul in NASCAR the same way as Tony Stewart has become a mogul, um, similar to all these other great owners uh, in this sport. I mean, does in regards to the health of the sport uh, to you, I mean, you you understand the technical side and you understand we're trying to figure out the costs and everything. But are we? I mean, is it is this renaissance, is it possible by having a likes of Matt Colleague come in and be able to go and build an organization now versus and having deeper fields versus what we kind of have right now, where we definitely have a very heavy top end. And then in regards to the locked in field, certain vehicles that you could question where their direction really is all about. Yeah, I mean, for the colleague racing team, like they they started as a small team in Xfinity, but now they're on the cusp of being a cup team within the next year or two. And I think, you know, if more teams are able to grow organically uh, like that, where they spend a few years uh, building their team up, whether it's in trucks or in Xfinity, and then they decide to take the next step to go into cup racing. I mean, I feel like that would ind- indicate a more healthy sport. Um, and then I think it also, another thing is, you know, we talked about like all the new teams that are coming to cup. Well, in the nationwide or in the expanded series, um, I think with colleague racing, they're really the only team right now that can compete competitively. And, you know, we talked about the depth of the field uh, with, with uh, cup teams that participate in Xfinity. And I think, another uh, thing that would indicate the health of the sport is really the uh, ability for um, independent Xfinity teams uh, like colleague is right now to be able to um, compete and go head to head against 
the the cup uh, participating teams in nation or in uh, Xfinity. You know, like I mean, we have teams like Junior Motorsports; they're heavily affiliated with Hendrick. But I mean, for the most part, like it's really like that team, and then Gibbs and Penske uh, and Stuart Haas that kind of run the show in the uh, Xfinity series along with Colleague. So I think for the Xfinity series, like you know, if we have kind of what it was, uh, you know, 15 years ago where you had a lot of, uh, you know, competitive teams like, you know, the Renzi Motorsports or um, some of the, you know, other old teams that no longer exist, like, um, I guess, like PPC Racing, that's a team from like 2005 and 2004 or whatever. But, um, you know, if we have more teams like that participate in Xfinity, I think that's better for the sport. Um, and if a colleague is able to make it into cup, I mean, that's a, also a good thing. And, um, another point to add on to that is uh, with the charter system and everything, we talk about how one team was basically able to be a lap down in Austin Sindrick last night and still make the race because he technically qualified faster uh, in time trials than Ty Dillon. I mean, I feel like that's bad for the sport when, um, you know, we have a, a car like Ty Dillon who races, who should have raced his way into the show but didn't because of, I, you know, essentially a technicality uh, because I guess a, a team has, I guess, higher privilege than, than their team as far as the way this setup goes. And I, I mean, th- that kind of takes it back to the, the old days of the top 35 uh, rule that we had, which basically the charter system is now, but on a, a different level. And I, I think with things like that, it, it hurts team's ability like Gaunt Brothers Racing to be able to go out and get purse money uh, and prize money for competing in these races. And it um, denies them the ability to have track time um, that's valuable, so, so valuable, especially with the Daytona 500 um, being probably the most valuable race to be in in the sport. And, you know, basically them being kicked out of the race and then having like some other team that's not going to be competitive race over them, like Derek Cope. I mean, I think something's wrong with that. And I mean, you know, the charter system, I mean, that's not the only thing that's wrong with the charter system. I mean, there's several other things that are wrong with it, but, you know, I I think that's something that certainly highlights like one of the reasons why um, it hasn't really helped the sport. And hopefully um, in the future, you know, Xfinity teams um, can grow and be competitive among cup and then be able to uh, eventually expand into the cup series. So uh, hopefully, you know, there's uh, more growth ahead rather than a uh, retraction of some kind. That's something that for all these years, you think about the legendary names that had to sell their teams on for pennies on the dollar, the great Bud Moore, uh, Robert Yates. Or, I mean, Roush has basically gone down that road and is basically on that road. But, of course, uh, Newman with the... With, with his lack of a neck and whatever with the Coke brothers is able to he's had funding and you know there's other you know other people the 17 has had funding from steady funding for years now with Busher and but they're kind of going down that same road there's been a lot of teams that went out the business 
uh, over the years and and that 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 happens and that's a motorsports thing but it, you, it's it's not a vi- they they say that to to start with uh, to to be rich in motorsports or somewhere along the lines of to start with a a, a big for or to be a to be rich in motorsports you have to start with a small fortune or something like that and right right and it's something I, I, you, you you start you start as a billionaire, you become wind up being a millionaire. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, there's very few people that become moguls at this, and it's still a very expensive game. They're the 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 Roger Penske's of the world, and I guess Tony Stewart's going down that road, and Michael Andretti. I mean, those are the two guys, Michael Andretti and Tony Stewart. And it's ironic because those are two of my favorite drivers ever. Uh, but, you know, those guys, they're few and far between the way things are. And we will see what happens with that. And I I want to go and transfer over to what we're going to see here Sunday. I mean, obviously, we've had the duels. We've had a practice. We're going to have two more practices uh tomorrow since we're doing this on friday night live as the truck series race is going on and josh i want to throw to you first i'm gonna go and we didn't make picks in regards to uh the races and it's kind of hard to go and make picks on the trucks it doesn't really matter because they're probably going to destroy at least 75 percent of what's left out there on the racetrack right now but uh, in regards to the Daytona 500 and, of course, after yesterday's duels, and what are your thoughts on what, what should we be looking for during the race on Sunday? And then what, who should we be looking at as favorites for this deal come Sunday afternoon, of course, weather permitting? Yeah, I think for the 500, I mean, you know, we've talked about Bubble Wallace a lot so far on this podcast, and I think uh, you know, so far he's had a really fast car uh, in practice and in his duel last night. Uh, he was making moves uh, throughout the field. So I think he's definitely going to be a player uh, on the race on Sunday. And I hopefully, I mean, he's able to make it to the end. Uh, I mean, there's a couple times during the duels where you get behind a car and like do a bump draft or, you know, whatever. And, and he would get not be perfectly aligned, I guess. Uh, so to speak with uh, as John Hunter Nemechek crashes here on the screen, but uh, he wasn't perfectly aligned a couple of times. And I got nervous because, you know, if you're not aligned correctly with the bump draft, you know, you could cause a big wreck and take somebody out in the race, you know, and even take yourself out. So I think that's something to watch as uh, they race and get aggressive as they maneuver throughout the, uh, the draft and throughout the field. Uh, is uh, the ability of you know the Toyotas and the Chevys to lock bumpers together, and or just the Chevys in general to lock bumpers together and and make headway throughout the field, and and you know they pointed out that the Fords have the ability to be able to uh, bump draft pretty easily, and that's going to be an interesting aspect if uh, as the you know the variation I guess in in runs between the Fords and Chevys and the Toyotas, but uh, I think you know as far as the the picks go and everything and the, who the favorites are. I think the, obviously Denny Hamlin, I think he is probably the heavy favorite. You know, he's on the cusp of winning three Daytona 500s in a row, um, which would be a, a, certainly a grand achievement if he's able to do it. Um, I think you also have to consider 
you know, Joey Logano um, as another guy who, who could be a, a contender in this race. I mean, he hasn't been up front a whole lot, but I mean, like we saw last night uh, in the, his duel, you know, he took the lead briefly in turn three and four before Eric Almirola side drafted him back to the start finish line and, and won that duel. But I think he'll be a good player. I mean, Eric Almirola, obviously uh, I was pretty impressed with his ability to not let uh, Joey Logano buy and uh, pass him. He was able to keep him uh, back on his uh, right rear quarter panel, then uh, draft him uh, back up uh, to take the lead before the finish line there. But uh, I think another guy I look out for is probably uh, Alex Bowman. Um, he's been a, a solid, I feel like he's been a solid p- uh, play driver. And we talked about the uh, old 88 car, now 48 car being uh, a very good car in restricted plate uh, qualifying. And I think that also does carry over to race speed as well. Um, he's going to have the fastest car there. So I expect his car to be uh, a contender in, in this race. And, you know, I think Keselowski is going to be another favorite. I mean, there's so many favorites throughout the field that, you know, I feel like are p- potential winners. And, and I feel like this could be one of the more competitive 500s we've had in a couple of years. And, you know, we see what the runs that these cars are able to get with the draft, um, even with the changes in speed, it makes the field tighter and, and, it, um, you know, increases the, or maxes the maximizes the ability of the, uh, the draft for you to close up on cars. And, and it's going to be a, a, a lot of, uh, interesting moves are going to be made throughout the race, a lot of aggressive moves. And, um, hopefully, you know, they play it safe and, or, well, you know, they play it smartly, I should say, not safe, um, that they are able to make the right moves at the end of the race. And, and, you know, we're, we're going to have a, a surprise or shocking winner. I think we'll see what happens. Yeah. And for, I mean, the Daytona 500 for years, it was, I mean, it's the Daytona 500, the great American race, Super Bowl, stock car racing, all this stuff. It's the most important race of the year. And I'm going to let um, Jerry, I know you've got to go here shortly and I'll give you the time to go and promote everything on your way out, but also give us thoughts in regards to what the racing is now relative to when you started uh, covering it, watching it the whole bit. Um, and, and then we'll leave it at that with, uh, with your time. And thank you for coming on the oh, sure. GSP. Well, I mean, you know, the, the racing has changed so dramatically, you know, I mean, I actually, my first NASCAR race, ironically enough, um, was the, it was back in, I believe it was 1988 when Alan Kowicki won in Phoenix and, you know, he did the, the Polish victory lap going backwards around the racetrack. And, uh-huh. you know, that was, I mean, I've, I'd always covered, I mean, I followed NASCAR, but I mean, that was the first race I'd actually covered as a reporter. I was with USA Today at the time. And, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest well, one thing that I really want to talk about, and it hasn't really been mentioned a lot this last this past week. I mean, it's been mentioned a little bit, but and I I'm assuming people have not mentioned it out of respect. But it's been 20 years this you know this coming weekend. It actually will be February 18th will be the 20 year anniversary that we lost Dale Earnhardt, and you know, you know, uh, you know I I mean, not too many people can say this. I um, my first uh, race that I covered and I actually covered it remotely. I wasn't down in Daytona that day, 
when I uh, signed with ESPN.com back in 2001 was the Daytona 500 that Earnhardt was killed. And um, I remember that, you know, one of the lines I had in my first column was it wasn't supposed to be this way. And, you know, the way this sport has changed so dramatically uh, and primarily from a safety standpoint, I mean, you can't, you can't thank NASCAR enough for being some of the, you know, being a trailblazer, uh, you know, in safety, because what has helped them not lose drivers, like they, I mean, they lost four drivers in one year. I remember that, you know, back in the 2000, it was uh, Tony Roper, um, um, Alan, um, I'm sorry, Adam Petty, Adam Petty uh, Earnhardt, Tony Roper, then, uh, Dale Earnhardt, and, and um, um, Kenny Irwin. Kenny Irwin and Kenny, and Kenny Irwin, right, exactly. And, you know, it was such a sad thing to see all that happen, but, you know, you know, with Earnhardt's passing, we, you know, the sport realized we've got to really, you know, try to meet this, this safety issue head on. And they have done a tremendous job in NASCAR, but it's also had a, uh, a carryover effect, if you will, for IndyCar and HRA. I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to say this in a cynical manner, but, we used to talk about dead drivers a lot and, you know, because there were so many that were, you know, killed in crashes. Um, but we don't talk about them that much anymore. There, there really haven't been, you know, any significant, uh, you know, deaths of, of other than, you know, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Wilson in, in, uh, in uh, Pocono, Wilson at Pocono a few years ago. Right. Exactly. Right. And then, you know, it's 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 a it's a testament to the safety industry and to the racing industry that we've been able to turn you know what was really uh, a sad state of events you know or affairs rather you know with you know so many people losing their lives and now we can say very proudly that you know people can survive these things and you know, when you wreck a Daytona at 200 miles an hour, you go to the infield care center, you come out, and you're just got a few, you know, you're a little, you might have a little bumps and bruises or a little bit of pain. Yeah. Hey, I'll take that any day. And I'm sure anybody else would take that any day, you know? So, but, you know, one of the things I know uh, I've got to uh, cut out here, but I wanted to say one other thing too. And, and, um, and we talked about this off the air, but, you know, some of the bigger stories that I've seen over the years um, that revolve around Daytona, um, I'll never forget when, uh, when Benny Parsons died, I was in the infield of Daytona when it happened, you know, he, he, you know, we got the news that he passed away and, you know, Benny was one of the greatest people you would ever want to meet. I mean, I remember, you know, my wife and I, uh, we were in New York for the, um, I think it was the 2004, uh, championship banquet, banquet. and, uh, we, yeah, we were on a bus, you know, uh, and it was just Benny and us and Benny, you know, we, we had to go from, uh, the Waldorf where we were staying at all the way to, you know, it was like midtown Manhattan somewhere. It was, it was, it was a distance maybe about four yeah. or five miles. But the point is he was such a great driver, you know, a great driver, but he was also such a great personality. And you know, to see, you know, see that we lost him. And, you know, there's just been so many other people that I've been around in this sport that, you know, have just I mean, left such a big impression upon me, not only as a you know, writer, but, you know, just as a human being. And, you know, when I've always been the kind of person that, you know, you talk about uh, people that have made their mark in the sport in a performance standpoint, but there's a lot of people that have also made their mark in the sport, uh, you know, from a, from a personality standpoint. Uh, Earnhardt was one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was grizzled. Yeah, he was, you know, he was, he was a tough guy, but, 
he also had a really soft heart spot in his heart. I mean, he really had a, a heart of gold, if you will. I mean, he he did a lot of things that people don't really know about, and he didn't want to get any you know get any credit for that. Uh, you know, Benny Parson, like I said, he, a similar person like that. Alan Colwick, he you know, uh, I mean, that the, the day he died, I mean, I was just floored because he was such a nice individual to me. I mean, I, here I was, I think it was twenty. I don't remember how old I was at the time. I think it was 21 or no, 23. I think it would have been, um, you know, I went in to interview him in, in uh, Michigan international speedway. Uh, you know, it was, I can't remember what the year was, but the point is he welcomed me so, so nicely and, you know, he didn't have to, I mean, but one thing I I love about this sport, you know, NASCAR as well as an HRA and IndyCar. Yeah. It's, it's like any other industry, you know, you're going to have people that, you know, may not, be the friendliest but you know i've been asked this a number of times because i've covered so many sports over the years i mean i covered all of jordan's six championships i live here in chicago so you know it was it was natural for me to, to cover him he and i got to know each other very well walter payton became a good friend of mine and i'm not just dropping names the point i'm making though is that you know a lot of people you know they don't get the recognition or the notoriety for being the good people that they are you know the, the nice people that they are so um you know i think that we're going to see, like I said earlier, we're going to see a renaissance in NASCAR. I think it's already started. I mean, I was going to say that it's starting this year, but I think it's already started last year. And I think that, um, you know, we're going to see a lot of big things. And, you know, the other thing too is, you know, all the uh, other sports right now, they're all hurting. We're, you know, just like NASCAR. But the thing that made NASCAR stand out more than any other sport, I think in any other period of time in this, you know, in the, in our, in our lifetime, is how NASCAR, even with the the difficulties that COVID presented, managed to give us an entirely full season. And that, to me, you know, when I first heard that they were going to try to run a 36-race season after the, you know, all this COVID stuff started coming out, I said, there was no way. I mean, we saw a number of uh, NHRA races that were canceled. IndyCar had to, you know, uh, push back the Daytona 500 to August. I'm sorry, not, not Indianapolis 500, rather. <laughs> not Daytona yeah. 500, but the Indianapolis 500. And, you know, they had to also, you know, move with some races or cancel some races, things like that. And yet uh, uh, NASCAR, they found a way to do it. And I can't, I can't commend them enough. I can't thank them enough. I mean, they, they just did a fantastic job. I mean, they, they made sure they followed all the protocols. I mean, we didn't see, you know, the numbers like we've seen in, you know, baseball or football or hockey or, or basketball of, you know, people that, you know, came down with COVID. Yeah, there were a few people, but for the most part, NASCAR just really, uh, they embraced what they had to do and they did it. And that's, you know, that to me means that, yes, we're going to be faced with a COVID situation this year, but because of what NASCAR went through last year, they're going to be even further, uh, better prepared and better equipped to handle this thing. And, you know, a lot of sports, you know, who may have, and, and I admit there's still, I think there's still some sports today. I'm not going to mention the leagues with that, but I mean, you know, some of the ones I just mentioned, um, they did not embrace or they did not, you know, take COVID as seriously as I think they should have NASCAR did. And I think that, you know, these leagues could learn so much from what NASCAR did you know, last year. And they're, they're going to probably learn even more going into this year as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it's something to say about what, they were able to do uh, drivers, some of the drivers, unfortunately, the great Jimmy Johnson and might've cost him a chance at running for the playoffs uh, His COVID diagnosis. Uh, right. Right. 
but the reality is they have good protocols and that they're able to run these races. It might've opened up a new Avenue in regards to tightening up weekends so that the, the day-to-day, the people that really make this sport work on a day-to-day basis are able to have less, have to spend less time on the road, um, which is something that we will see. Um, I will um, end this by saying thank you so much, Jerry, for your time. You're somebody I've looked up to for many years as a fan uh, for your writing, and I'm looking forward to uh, being a, a subscriber to the Racing Beat and uh, listening to all the content that you're going to have because you're going to get to talk to all these great people that I've also looked up to the same way as I look up to you, same way as I look up to these great racing drivers too. So I'm glad that in in a time where you had to do other things and take care of uh, your wife and family, uh, you gave us a few minutes of your time here on the GSP. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for the kind words. I really enjoyed it. And I mean this sincerely. Let's do this again. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, if I wasn't so pressed for time today, I mean, I probably could be on with you for another three or four hours, you know, so, but, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, there's just so much more we can talk about as well, too. But, you know, thank you again for the kind words and, you know, uh, you know, the racing beat, it'll be, uh, it's on Twitter. You know, it's, uh, there's both, there's that, you know, dedicated Twitter account as well as Jerry Bunkowski, Twitter, my, you know, my Twitter, uh, Jerry Bunkowski Twitter account. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got YouTube. Uh, I'm just, I'm just really excited about where this thing I think potentially can go. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm giving myself kind of a timeline, but uh, I think you're going to see some, 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 some good surprises out of what we have in mind. We got a a lot of things and uh, um, you know, like, like my colleague, Michael Eubank said, there's only one place we can go and that's up, you know, that's the same way we feel up here and, on the GSP and hopefully we can uh, continue to collaborate and work with each other. And I could work, maybe we can work for you too. And that'll be something that'd be awesome uh, to go and uh, do things. So um, take care, Jerry, and uh, give my best to your wife and family and uh, stay safe. And uh, we will uh, be in contact for sure. Hopefully we'll be able to do this more often. And, oh, there goes Haley Deegan. Oh, she's going to go and hit the wall and she's probably going to gr- not grab the steering wheel. Just like Danica. Oh yeah. Her hands were off the steering wheel. All right. So um, thank you, Jerry Bonkowski for your time tonight uh, on the GSP here. And um, uh, we, yeah, she's, she's going to drive off, but, yeah, there she hit the front end, so it doesn't matter. Um, it, it, who cares? She does, she ain't rolling. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> um, and she probably went and Danica Patrick did right into the wall. Yeah, it's fine. Who cares? I'm sure, I'm sure somebody was there going and following her every move, too. Um, yeah, so yeah, her front ends. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's it for her, and that's fine. Uh, she wasn't doing anything anyway. So Hillman Hillman has has had some challenges with Todd Bodine over the years, and there that's an interesting dichotomy. That would be an in- interview. So how is it like to go and have to work with Todd Bodine for that long, and then now you have to work with Haley Deegan? That's got to be something. So um, thank you, Jerry, for your time, and uh, God bless and be safe. And glad that you were able to give us 
few minutes of your time. Oh, my pleasure. Like I said, we'll do this again very soon. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Um, we'll um, keep going here on this episode of the GSP. I know we talked about um, we talked about picks. I didn't get to go and make my uh, picks or or um, in regards to the uh, Daytona 500 since we're watching uh, what's going on since Haley Deegan went and spun herself off of uh, Jordan Anderson. And uh, yeah, that's fun. I'm glad. That's fine. She could do that every race this year to make me happy. Um, are you able to, are you able to get a stream or anything, Josh, or you're, so, yeah, I, I have it on YouTube TV, and you're actually, like, five seconds or so ahead of me, but it's fine. Yeah, uh, so it doesn't matter. It's under caution. Yeah. Anyway. They're going through they're, – they're they're allowing them to drive drive through speedy dry, so – But that's every race, though. Yeah, it's, it's uh, typical. I figured we were going to be able to do a live announced stream of this race, and, and, and I know Jerry wasn't going to say anything because at the end of the day um, – he's still got connections over there and uh, he doesn't want to go and offend anyone. And then uh, he has a great thing going on and hopefully we'll be able to make some things work and happen there. But even then you yeah, you can't, you have to call a spade a spade. She's a moron. Um, yeah. And she's ignorant as anything, but then her dad's a horse faced lunatic too. So it's all fine. Um, if she ends up on on a rollback every single race, it wouldn't um, be a bad thing. Um, but you know, it's she's probably won't. She'll probably run some top tens and might get a top five, and who knows? Maybe she might back into a win somehow, some way, which would make her more relevant than Miss Hummer. Um, yeah, this race has been. Uh, interesting to say the least in that they've just the uh, Matt Crafton it looks like in that wreck that um the previous wreck it looks like John Hunter got into him uh and then that's what caused that big wreck and then you have huh, Chris Busher use the past champions provisional and start and parked oh, that's convenient or whatever who knows um yeah, I'm trying to look at that. David Gillen. David Gillen had a really fast truck, and he whatever that panel on the in the tailgate kept on flying up. But I don't know if that's affected his performance or not. But we will see. There's 17 laps to go. There's plenty of time to go and uh, waste most of the rest of this field, which is what's probably going to happen anyway. Um, yeah. For for me in the in terms of this five hundred, it I have my drivers and there's a lot of the a lot of the youth in this field will be starting in the back. Um of course uh, the second duel saw a lot of wrecks. Um Chase Briscoe and Anthony Alfredo, the two rookies, will both be going to backups, I think. I, I I'm sure Chase is going to backup. He said that, I think. And, um, you know, Brad Keselowski, who got involved in the wreck there, trying to 
uh, the him and Smithley and and Gagson were trying to shoot a gap and didn't work. Of course, Gagson missed the show. Uh, Ty Dillon missed the show, unfortunately. Uh, when you have Rick Ware racing cars, and I mean, I give Jerry credit; he wants to have Rick Ware on the show and whatever. But um, to be completely honest. None of the Rick Ware cars were competitive in the duels yesterday or in qualifying. The Spire cars weren't really, I mean, the Spire cars were better in the, in, in the race trim than they were in qualifying trim. The double zero was a waste. Um, the 78 was a waste. And in and I look at it in in and I flip and, and we flip it in regards to twenty three eleven and track house and how they were willing to actually show up and perform and to me there it I mean it it goes to big time sports Josh in the sense that um, there are teams that are willing to perform and there are teams that are just going to go and for lack of a better term, shit the bed for the money aspect of it. And that's really what it is. You have, and, and we could say in racing, there's always been field fillers and cellar dwellers and stuff like that. And brickware racing is definitely a cellar dweller. And, but, you know, when you have Derek Cope, who was off the pace and out of contention and basically in the way, yesterday and almost caused a massive wreck at the end of the second duel to be in this show and Ty Dillon and I'm no Noah Gregson fan but the fact is Ty Dillon Noah Gregson are going home from the Daytona 500 uh I mean it's you could say that's just a product of the way this is set up and that's fine but it isn't fine because it's a Daytona 500 you should have the best vehicles in this show, not have cars that aren't even going to be able to keep minimum speed, uh, basically milk and donuts in their way out of this race. I, it, to me, it's offensive to, to the core. To me, when it comes to Daytona, I mean, whatever. When it's the Daytona road course, nobody cares because the Daytona road course and cup cars shouldn't really be doing it. It's fine, but it's the Daytona 500. There should be some semblance of quality when it comes to this race, but we have what we have with the charter system. Yeah, I think for the charter system, you know, the it, it's like I said before. I mean, it it incentivizes uh, being bad, I guess, in terms of at least in terms of results. I mean, uh, you have teams like Spire, Rick Ware that can kind of just hang around back all day and not do anything and, and ruin other people's races. Like, you know, we saw last year with Quinn Houth and in that car, uh, well, that was Starcom actually, but you know, it's still the same point and steel wins like what Justin Marks did, uh, or no, Justin Haley did a few years ago in, in Daytona when it, they rained out, uh, the race and, and everything, but it, it, until they, I mean, until they find a different way to do it, that's how it's going to be. Uh, for now, there's going to be uh, cellar dwellers that have the incentive to not do anything more than beyond that because, hey, they figured out how to game the system without, you know, needing to do much. And I mean, in, in their mind, I mean, from a business standpoint, it's it's actually 
I mean, I'm not going to say it's efficient, but um, I mean, if you're able to do minimum participation um, without really needing to invest in anything and get back something in return from, uh, for that, then certainly they're going to be able to do that. Uh, and I, th- I think with the way that this is, I mean, it's, it's just going to keep going on and, and on until they, you know, end the charter system or uh, enough new teams come into the sport uh, where they're going to have to uh, redraw up the, the thing and come up with a different way. Because, uh, you know, like if, if we have like 10 new teams, say, come in to the sport in one year, it's going to, it's going to create a demand for uh, charters because there's not going to be enough. And, and I mean, for a while you might have open cars, but eventually they'll, um, they'll have to figure out a different way to do it um, because right now it just um, enriches the people already in this sport. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, in the, the duels, you know, I mean, I feel bad for Ty, uh, Ty Dillon, but you know, Noah Gregson, I mean, I feel bad for him too, but at the same time, that's kind of his thing was more of a product of, restrictor plate racing um and being taken out and you know we've seen that in the past uh certainly i mean another thing you could talk about is like garrett smithley basically crashing out brad keselowski and uh causing a big wreck and uh when when there didn't need to be one and taking out the front row uh outside pole setter and william byron and just a lot of ridiculousness and and things and so from that aspect um it does decrease the quality of the 500 field. And certainly there should be something more than that. Um, the, there, there should be more quality and, and hopefully in the future, as more teams come in, should that happen, then uh, the quality of the field will go up and maybe we'll have quality racing. But I think another thing that we should talk about is just the, the product of restrictor plate racing itself. And yeah, you see the top 10, mainly the top five, be able to get runs from, you know, deep in the field, well, not deep in the field, but, you know, they're able to gen- uh, line up a pack of cars and get runs and, you know, be able to race up into the lead and, and stuff like that. But the restrictor plate racing product is kind of where the only the leaders really are the only cars that you see really making any, any moves on the track. And if you're, you know, deep in the pack, it's really hard to do anything. Um, unless like the pack breaks up and you know you really can't make any moves of yourself and that's kind of why I've kind of kind of like dislike restrictor plate racing in a way because um, when you're back there and I, I've experienced it in eye racing and that's why that kind of leads me to not like it anymore as much as not as much as I used to is just because like you're stuck and you can't do anything and you're not able to really um unless you're like really aggressive, you're not able to make your way up to the front or past people. Um, and it's, you know, more about momentum and everything. And that's something I've kind of learned from sim racing on the restrictor plate track. So it's a lot of fun though, but um, you know, it's also very frustrating, but uh, I will hopefully, you know, maybe the new car changes the dynamic of pack racing. I doubt it though. Maybe, maybe it becomes more like what we had in 2011 with the tandems, uh, which was, I think probably the perfect mix between, kind of uh what used to be like with uh spread out fields um and then kind of a mix of the modern pack racing which i think is fine um you know hopefully they can get back to that but it'll be interesting to see with uh the dynamic of restrictor plate racing um with the new car but um it'll be a interesting 500 for sure and you know hopefully uh despite the quality of the field they, they can actually put a, a quality race on
Yeah, I think there's going to be a, it's going to hopefully be a good race. I think it's a little bit deeper uh, this year uh, with the likes of uh, a couple, there's a couple more new teams in there. And when it comes to this race, determining, you know, if you win this race, you're in locked in the playoffs. It, it, it's one piece, of course, Daytona, matters more than any other race you win the daytona 500 you're you're you go into history and i still hold it that way even though the race has basically become uh a, an overrated demo derby and they have stages and all these other bogus gimmicks i mean the notion of manufacturer working together chevys have the most vehicles out there of course you have the toyota teams are very united um the ty Dillon car would have made a big i think would have made a difference for toyota um because they had nothing to lose and uh you know you look at ford they they are they are uh, outnumbered by show oh man that chandler smith almost went and ate it there because of ben rhodes who's another loser another daddy's money loser but um in terms of this race i think this this deal is going to probably come down i mean the hendrick cars the the front row of course you brought up william byron he's going to a backup car the 48 might have to replace an engine so the front row might not even be the front row uh the guys who won the duels will be the front row starters which will be Al Marola and Austin Dillon. And then you look at Bubba Wallace and Chris Bell, who Chris Bell, oh man, the 98's blowing up. Oh, of course. The 98's. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. But, uh, and he has some random guy who probably is a maggot. Um, oh no, he ain't smoking anymore. Oh. Uh, I think he's got a tire up. That might do it. Yeah, well, whatever. That's fine. They'll probably black flag him which will be the end of end finger. And then, Oh man. Yeah. This is, there's going to be a wreck. There's a wreck coming on, but I mean, when it boils down, when you boil it down to the, it, it Oh, there it goes the 18, 18 might've just got hooked and they missed it. Oh yeah. I did get hooked and they missed it. I, I knew he just, I saw that coming and they, they're just like, Oh man, what a joke. What a great job by, the camera but by the producer of this race i'm like he he got put in oh no oh boy that's oh, not yeah. good See, there's oh <laughs> there there yeah but okay yeah well there's a big one coming now yeah yeah and they didn't throw the yellow they didn't throw the yellow on the chandler smith deal and oh, what you're is. about to see right now is unnecessary so <laughs> um <laughs> the though so we'll just for for i mean i'm ahead by a few seconds because i'm getting the live feed they just they just freaking um uh wholesaled freaking a bunch of trucks for no reason um the chandler smith wreck which was due to whatever he's probably made three or four wide uh was cause that was caused just by going three four wide oh look at that austin hill that's fine who cares he sucks he's a bitch um uh 
Yeah, Tyler Ankrum, yeah, you know, whatever. Uh what a joke. They're 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 gonna wholesale a bunch of other vehicles here. I've been saying that for a while. I said that while Jerry was on the show. They're gonna oh uh, yeah, John Hunter's wrecked, who won a stage, so Yeah, Salter's out. Well, that's that's a bonus. Um Carson Hosevar, who looks like a horse. Um he he's a horse faced lunatic. Um I think all of G what what the hell are they called? The Nice Motorsports trucks are all all done. I think. Oh, there goes Raphael Lassard, his old right side. I mean, I don't even know who's left at this point. They might as well red flag this race. You know, yeah, yeah there goes Chandler Chandler. So I saw Kyle Busch Motorsports ain't gonna win this race, I don't think. Unless hey, Haley Dingen might get a top 10, you know, you talked about her earlier. She might, she's still rolling, so it's possible. I don't know if she's on the lead lap still. No, nah, she's on the lead lap, probably. She's never met a, she's never met a man she wouldn't blow. Um, uh, and, you know, yeah, so they all say doored each other. So Chandler Smith doored the 98. Oh, and then, and then Drew Dollar went and, went and well i guess timothy peters went across drew dollar's nose and oh boy oh that'll do it that'll do it yeah austin hill is trying to avoid all those guys are trying to avoid and then yeah that yeah that's awesome yeah there's gonna be some like random guy or girl that wins this race at this point wow ryan trex is still rolling that's for New Jersey people. And Brian Doza, who's that truck is just a waste of time. Hey, the Parker Kligerman truck's going home, but that Brian Doza truck makes it every single time. I don't get how that works, but uh, there's got to be some kooky thing with points that the 28 truck makes it, but the 75 doesn't. Um, oh, Cody Roper could win this race, actually. Yeah, Drew Dollar and Cody Roper is still in this. This yeah, is cool. I mean, we we kind of have. I think we have a thing here. I mean, minus the delay, uh, I think we might have a thing here with the live casting of races because we could just go and riff. But I think somewhere along the line, I was trying to talk about the five hundred. So I, it's going to be a man. The way the things have become on these. Super speedways, it's manufacturer based. The Fords have a lot of pace in the race, but the Toyotas know how to work together very well. Hamlin's trying to do something that's never been done before, three in a row. But at the same time, he has a vehicle in this race, which of course they had to change the rules to make make it worthwhile for him to go and be an owner uh in the five hundred as a cup owner. And I think for me personally, I have my drivers that I, of course, I want to see Brad go and get the one thing he's missing off of his resume, get the 500 win. Um, but he's going to be in a backup car. Uh, Chase Briscoe is not going to win this race. Uh, I, I'm sure his odds are very high. And of course, he's going to a backup car. Um, Bubba Wallace's odds have changed. I'm sure they're a lot lower than they were uh, pre-duels yesterday. 
and he's plus eighteen hundred, which is, which isn't bad at all actually. Um, I thought it would be a little bit lower than that. So um, the fact that his car has been fast all week or for the last three days is is not shocking. But when you consider fifth Gibbs car, the way their pace has been relative, I mean, it's sort of in the same realm as what Matt DiBurrito did a couple of years ago for uh, Levine when he led the most laps in the 500. It's kind of got that same feel. Um, I don't know what you think of that, Josh, but I think that's where it is at. Um, of course, they have a lot more pace in qualifying. Um, yeah, that thing's done. Um, I don't know what they think they're going to be doing. It's freaking busted the radiator out of it. Um, how the hell did he get the overtime? I thought there was like, I think they just ran too many caution laps. Yeah, I know. Like, that's crazy. Um, they're not, yeah, they didn't want to red flag it because they're worried about rain, uh, or something. Um, yeah, so nothing's really gonna, it's probably gonna mean one of those stupid Thor Sport trucks is gonna win. Freaking Ben Rhodes is gonna win. That's gonna be nauseatingly bad. Um, I'm rooting for David Gilliland. It's weird. I'm actually rooting for David Gilliland. But, um, yeah, I, honestly, I think a Ford is going to win this deal. Who, Which Ford? I don't know. I, I figure it'll be either Joey Logano or I'll, I'll go with, like, Eric Almirola because he's on a heater. And he's he's got good momentum. His football team won Super Bowl. His quarterback likes boys, but and he can't handle liquor. But um, he won his seventh Super Bowl. Um, you, you got he's got a lot of momentum. Him, Mike Bugaravich, they had a kind of rough year last year, trying to go and get momentum in their second year together. I think those two cars are definitely cars to look at in regards to this 500 um blaney is another one but blaney of course has never been known as a big time closer can he close the deal on sunday uh the chevys it's a lot tougher you know the front row may not be the front row um outside of the hendrick cars of course always great in qualifying trim uh, you look at the chevy brigade and it's not really amazing i mean of course austin won that duel but it's austin dillon uh reddick had no pace in qualifying but had a great race car so that could be something i i I think it comes down to the fords and the toyotas and will denny hamlin um possibly give up the pot the give up three wins in a row to push his own car to the win. Similar to we talk about Dale Earnhardt 20 years um, since his passing, when he was willing to go and watch his um, son and MW 55 go and win the Daytona 500 uh, for his organization. Um, Could that symmetry take place? We will see in regards to that um 
I guess before I guess we're getting into overtime and um noted it or showing Austin Wayne self for whatever reason. But um we'll go into the Xfinity race. He only had one fifty minute practice. It's a new year, of course, with the the some of the drivers switching rides and Austin Sindrick Gumby backed into the 500, but Austin Sindrick is the defending series champion. A lot more Fords this year in the Xfinity uh, series. So their thoughts in regards to the 300 tomorrow, uh, Josh, and what do you look for and who do you see as a favorite? I mean, Junior Motorsports is one. I would also look at um, Colleague because Colleague has made their name on the restrictor plate tracks. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, there's definitely a lot of beef in the beef 300 here. Uh, I mean, I am, I'm going to, you know, I think the JR Motorsports, I mean, I feel like, you know, they've won this race many times in the past and I feel like they've got a strong team and they, they know how to get around uh, super speedways. So, you know, I, I think they're probably going to be a very, uh, prominent team in the race uh, and they'll group together at least you know towards until the end at least um, and they'll definitely probably dominate a large portion of it um, I, I think you know the Fords can get together if uh, and Sheldon Creed got in the wall there the 0-4 is going to take the lead but 0-4 uh, is about yeah. Cody Roper is about to win uh, the on, Daytona 250 he's he's won okay okay we'll, we'll do this last lap oh he did no, no, it's oh. three and four. Oh, God. Block uh, okay, Ben Rhodes. Anything. Block Ben Rhodes. <laughs> Put him in the wall. No. Oh, God. He's going to lose to freaking Ben Rhodes. Oh, that's so awful. And Jordan Anderson will finish second in this race again. Oh, God. Cody Roper. Freaking. It's not the experience. Yeah, wow. Wow. What a not the experience you know he he had a chance to win there and it was kind of the same thing with Bubba last night he didn't uh time the run right to keep him from making the pass yeah I, I yeah. called freaking Ben Rhodes winning this like yeah, five minutes ago too and I oh god I hate Ben Rhodes he's such a cake eater oh he he reminds me of Adam Banks and the Mighty Ducks he's such a He's a never-will-be douchebag. What a cake eater. And he's from Kentucky. It makes Damn, sense. Damn, the 20, just their engine's, like, destroyed. Yeah. Taking a hit there at Spencer Boyd. Yeah, well, I think Young's Motorsports in the last, like, 10 laps went and wholesaled their whole entire fleet there. Um yeah. That's yeah, great, super. Yeah, I mean, ninety nine. I mean, like, yeah, zero four took the lead in turn one. Then, um, I mean, the, I was like, hold on, the ninety nine right there is uh, about to make a run, and you know, he's that's what he did there. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's yeah, whatever. His trucks at Daytona. I mean, that's about as good as what you're gonna get. I think these days for sure. But, uh, I mean, they wrecked coming to the line too, but. This, uh, you know, this Xfinity series, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of new faces, of course, and people changing rides and around and stuff. But I think you're going to see, you know, like JR Motorsports, I mean, like I said before, I mean, they're going to be the players in this race. Um, Ford, I think 
you'll probably see another uh, drafting alliance with uh, Stuart Haas and their 98 Riley Herbs and uh, the 22 and Cindric. Um, I mean, I know they have more representation, but the relationship is already there with uh, those two forwards. Um, yeah, 39 of Ryan Sieg is there and his teammate, yeah, which is going to be Jason White, uh, the former, uh, the the poker player now, Jason White, former truck series driver at gunbroker.com. And then there's uh, a couple other Fords, I think MDM has a Fords and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, Richard Childress racing with their number two, Myatt Snyder, I mean, uh, they've got... Uh, they're running the full season. So it should be a lot of expectations for him. And, you know, it'd be a good opportunity. They they've done pretty well on the restrictor plate tracks in the past too, you know, with, uh, with Reddick, but, you know, um, certainly there's history there and maybe it carries over. I mean, I think, I mean, obviously we got to talk about colleague too. I mean, they've been in the last two years is probably the, um, the match to junior motorsports on the plate tracks and, um, don't be surprised if they all team up together again and Justin Haley somehow ends up winning and, and well, AJ will lead the race and uh, for the most part, and uh, then somehow they'll uh, screw it all up at the end. And then Justin Haley will win. And that's, you know, that's going to be an interesting thing. But um, I mean, I, I think those teams and going to be the players and uh, can't forget Daniel Hamrick uh, with uh, Joe Gibbs and Brandy Jones and, uh, Harrison Burton, that could be another team that, you know, they all uh, line up together and try to uh, draft with each other and stay in the pack. Uh, that could be an interesting uh, uh, combination there. So there's going to be a lot of uh, interesting aspects of this race and probably going to, you know, like be, I, I'm not going to say the cleaner of the races, but uh, maybe similar to what we saw in the trucks today or tonight, uh, something on that level potentially. Uh, I think it looks like they got rid of the bump drafting rule finally, and they're all push drafting whenever. So I, I think that might be something to watch for tomorrow uh, afternoon, being able to actually line up together and not have to worry about getting penalized by NASCAR. I don't remember seeing that change, but it seems like they're not enforcing it anymore, at least in, in the yeah. tracks. But yeah, they, that's true because you look at some of the, stuff that went on tonight uh with the bump drafting and i mean credit i mean i'm no fan of ben Rhodes, but he played that perfectly uh at that finish he pushed cody roper far enough out to where matt crafton could give him a little bit of a run he got just enough help to where he was able to make his run and pass him and go and just get he had like it seemed like he had a hundred more horsepower because he sent that Oh four out there. Um, oh, well, it would have been, that would have been bigger than Gus Dean. It would have been bigger than Spencer Boyd. Um, probably I mean, that would have been an upset winner since like John King. I mean, yeah. Like, John him... King. That's exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's exactly what I was trying to remember. Uh, that would have been the biggest upset since John King won this race in like 12 with, um, I forget what the hell that team is. Um, that, that was Timothy Peters, red horse. Yeah. Red horse racing. That well, oh man, that I wanted that so bad for Cody Roper, their grinder team. And 
I'd have taken freaking Jordan Anderson. He's moving to Xfinity. So he's trying to find funding to run his truck. And uh, yeah, so eh, whatever. Cake eater. He's in the playoffs. Eh, super. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so I think for this race, for or well, for the Xfinity, I mean, I think, you know, if I'm going to go with the winner, I'm probably going to go with uh, Justin Haley there. And I think, you know, with the colleague, they've they figured out how to team up together, like I said, at the uh, Super Speedways. And it seems like they're the team that knows how to stick to the plan uh, the longest, and they don't uh, stray away from it until, like, the last lap. So I think you're going to see uh, Justin Haley, you know, be there at the end and, and take the checkered flag. Um, I mean, I uh, could also look for Noah Gregson to repeat from last year, but I, I feel like uh, Justin Haley is probably the, the one to watch um, the most, I guess, uh, for, for this race tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, I'll I'll go and deviate off of it a little bit. I think, and you brought up the point about the Toyotas and working together, and I think there's a little bit of energy in that sense with you have Daniel Hemrick, who has never won an Xfinity race, um, who's basically this year is probably it. If he doesn't make something happen this year, uh, his big time stock car career. I mean, he could still have a career and make a lot of money running super late models and late models and the whole bit. And it's entirely possible that he can, um, you know, the, he, he needs to make something happen this year. And then you add Ty Dillon. We talked about him earlier with Jerry and, 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 uh, he should have probably made this show the 500 and he didn't and Gaunt Brothers, same way as last year with Daniel Suarez, but in a different way. Uh, basically, their whole entire year is um, basically thrown under a bus, the same way as MDM with Timmy Hill and Smithley, and uh, because of the open system and the lack that of basically you're if you're not a, a, a chartered car, you have no chance, but if you're a chartered car, you don't have to perform. Um, I look at Ty Dillon and the way that that car ran in practice. And I look at his experience as well. Um, you put his experience along with the kind of equipment Joe Gibbs racing can provide. And those are two guys that I think would be viable candidates to win on uh, Saturday night in the Xfinity race after the ARCA demo derby, they'll take place where more than likely Ty Gibbs is going to win. Um, if Ty Gibbs doesn't win the ARCA championship, I don't know. Uh, I, I wonder about that situation because there's literally nobody in the ARCA series this year um, that is viable outside of him. Tony Bredinger, who's great to look at on Instagram and, She's Middle Eastern and she's got other things going on. She has nice lips and a nice body, but yep. Yeah, so we're gonna simp for her. Um and and Jamie Little and her stupid ponytail will be announcing that. Um I was saying that in the VFW in my in my VFW club that I go to and how I I've said this for years, same way as an old friend of mine that I want to lop off her stupid ponytail 
So she figured that out and went and put it into a bun. Um, and that's hopefully she'll do that tomorrow during the ARCA race. But um, Tony Bredinger will be in the ARCA race. And I think there's going to be Logan Mishura, I think is her name. There's another girl on Instagram. And uh, there's a couple other women that will be in this ARCA deal. And, but otherwise, the ARCA race is going to be horrible. Um, I mean, at least I, for as much as I don't like Bobby Gerhard, uh, at least when he was around and they had the old Gen 4 body styles, there was at least a deeper field. But whatever the case, I'll be the precursor to the Xfinity. Um, and I think Toyotas will be able to lead it. If the Gibbs cars don't do it, it's going to be a Cauley car. Um, you know, Jeb Burton's never won an Xfinity race. It's been a long time since he's won a race. It would be a big deal for him and, and that crew, the 10 crew, to go and get it done. Of course, Haley's a closer. He's won in all three series at Daytona. Um, A.J. Allmendinger is running with house money because his wife is smoking hot and is a, is a pageant queen and um, he's even though he's four foot eight or whatever the hell he is, he's he's running with house money. Uh, he him and Chris Rice are like bosom buddies. It's like perfect strangers. Those two guys. Um, he's the wild card in this whole entire championship, honestly, because with the all the all the cup experience he has, and with college racing the way they are, and the amount of racing he's going to be able to do this year. You just have to wonder how, if they can put things together, who's going to really stop um, A.J. Allmendinger uh, because of how good he is. Uh, something that we will be able to look at as the season goes on. And we'll talk about more uh, at the Daytona Road Course uh, next, as a preview next week. We'll um, probably do a show. A couple, two, three days time uh, due to the um, day off there, President's Day, and uh, go and go over everything that happened in the Oval uh, truck race. We kind of did a little bit of recap, but we'll do a more, in my case, more sober recap of the uh, Daytona truck race along with Xfinity and the uh, ARCA even, Daytona 500. And anything else that comes along uh, in the motorsports world. Um, Josh, I know you'll be doing some sim racing Daytona 500. Where can we find you on social media and also on your streams? Yeah, uh, as always, you know, you can follow the Twitter account uh, at JP Helpline. Uh, I mean, I don't tweet as much as maybe I should, uh, but definitely will try to have my takes uh, throughout the race. through um whatever whatever happens whatever my reactions are um and then for the twitch streams also you know you can follow at twitch.tv slash usailor2 uh that's all where i'll be streaming iRacing whether it's the 1987 cup car or the uh, xfinity car or the, the nascar current nascar cup car uh that's where we'll be at um probably got to do a little bit of uh just because for the cup series they have the regular series that runs um 
every hour or whatever. And it's like, I guess this week at Daytona, it's a 70 lap race. So I might run, run that just to get a little bit of practice in, I guess, with the field and uh, get used to all of that. And then um, there's one, there's one open session left on Sunday for the Daytona 500 open setup as in, that's what I mean by open session. So uh, that, that one's at 11 AM on Sunday. Uh, uh, might try to get into that one. If not, um, there's, there's a fixed setup session tomorrow at, there's two of them tomorrow at 5 a.m. and then at 12 p.m. and then on Sunday at 9 p.m. Um, so there was four sessions left uh, for the official uh, iRacing Daytona 500. So uh, see if I can try to get into one of those. Uh, you know, hopefully we can make it make it to the end there. Uh, I haven't really had much time to paint a car really, um, but I'll just try to stick the GSP logo on there and I'll make us look really low budget. But hey, if we if we were able to win or get a good finish, then we look good for that. So I guess that'll, that'll be cool to see. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, we will see about that. And uh, hopefully you can go and get something going with the uh, GSP and whatever else you get to work on special uh, here for Daytona 500 um, on iRacing and follow you sailor two on that on um twitch uh to go and see that um he's josh is definitely uh very uh good behind the wheel and uh i'm jealous uh of his ability not only his intelligence of course but also his ability behind the wheel i think it's something that once i couldn't actually get a proper rig or computer setup that I could, uh, we could work together and figure some things out. So, um, pretty cool. I uh, should go and bring up uh, Caitlin Vinci because oh, she's so hot. Freaking milf. She just popped out a kid like last week. To pregnancy. She's um, yeah. That like it, it's it like I was joking around about that yesterday. Um, at the V talking about um how. Because Shannon Spake was sitting there wearing a nice dress, like how I go and I have a thing for Mills, and yeah, I, I'm just like John Cho in, in American Pie when it was what's her face, like <laughs> Stifler's mom, like yeah, yeah. Stifler's mom. Well, that that was her name, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. Janine was her name, but uh, because because uh, shit brick went and he was like Janine, Janine. It's like it's like don't call you say this was wrong. and then she went and like whatever he played it up where he was like blowing a load and he yelled stuff for his mom oh god there it is that's what i'm talking about that's what i'm talking about look at him look at him milkers yeah todd bodine's looking at those things too he you know he he hasn't had any in a while and larry mcreynolds larry mcreynolds lost a lot of weight jesus christ I'll tell you He's lost a lot of weight. He's probably thinner than her. I mean, hey, had a lot of time, you know, with COVID and everything, you know, people uh, working from home, maybe they had time to work out or whatever. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I guess, but whew, man, I loved Caitlin Vincy. She looks good after that pregnancy. God damn. You can follow us at the Grip Strip Pod. Uh, We're getting more connections, doing more things. We have some... uh, irons in the fire for more collaborations and 
Uh, hopefully, uh, we can get greater reach in 2021. Um, hoping for a great year in general. Just, I mean, motorsports is back. Uh, we have a lot of things going on. Haven't really covered Supercross either. Uh, it's been not that interesting to me, but it should go and cover Supercross because GSP uh, covers all kinds of motorsports. We'll kind of get into that. Drag racing, all kinds of things going on. Uh, you know, Formula One, uh, we're going to have uh, McLaren's uh, car reveal too uh, coming up. Uh, on uh, Monday so we'll kind of bring that up number three and four will be at McLaren will be Daniel Ricardo and Lando Norris we'll talk about that um, you can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter We're on, I'm on Facebook Philip G. Matthew 28 I think or Philip G. Matthew um, at Philip G. Matthew 28 uh, on uh, on uh, what is it and uh philip g matthew 28 on on uh podbean uh philip g matthew 28 youtube we're trying to get the show out there but the connections and how everything gets distributed still working on that um you can follow us podbean amazon music um you know anywhere you can go and uh, hear a podcast you can probably get the grip strip podcast there um oh wow paul newman's trending all i mean that's how i was uh, late summer can't start really yeah yeah that's a good job by that or people who wrote headlines there and people talking about uh, paul newman's ghost oh so yeah, it's a good job by CNN writing a headline there, even though Paul Newman's been dead for years. Um, sure, the same uh, birthday, January 26th. Um, he's a freaking legend. Uh, you can find us Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, uh, etc. And um, I'm also on Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell will be and Spencer Cowan will be doing a show on Sunday morning, doing a preview for the Daytona 500. And uh, yeah, you'll hear us next week. And for as long as we're going to keep on going, uh, thanks to you, Josh, and also Jerry Bonkowski for uh, the time. And uh, thank you for listening to Gripshire podcast. And uh, we will see you next week. Post Daytona 500. Uh, we'll see who wins that deal and we'll talk about all the events at Daytona along with what will be going on at the Daytona road course here uh, coming up next week. Uh, stay safe, social distance, wear a mask, um, take care of one another. God bless. Good night.